Welcome, everybody. Uh, I have Jim Poole from Jim Poole Town and Country Heating and Air Conditioning in Holly, Minnesota. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, John. How you doing? Good, 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 good. Uh, I love having guys like you on the podcast, real guys. Uh, you can't see it because we're only audio, but Jim's wearing a red flannel shirt right now. Clearly, the guy who gets his, his uh, hands dirty every day, logo on his chest, proud mm -hmm. as a peacock. Um, so, Jim, uh, I always ask people the same question when we get started. Tell me your origin story in air conditioning and what's your superpower? Sure. Um, I'll just give you a brief, brief history. Um, 28 years ago, I walked into an HVAC shop, small town, Park Rapids, Minnesota, was looking for a winter job. Um, my dad knew the owners of this company. And so I just went in and said, hey, I'm looking for a job and asked for when I could start. And I said, well, in about a month and a half when I get laid off from my summer job and I never did um, I don't like ice fishing, so I have no reason to collect unemployment, not do anything in the winter. So I was looking <laughs> for something that would keep me busy in the winter. Fully intended to go back to, I uh, did underground irrigation on Lake Holmes in uh, Northern Minnesota. And it, it just turned into something nice. I stayed there and uh, worked there five years or so. I, sp I spent a total of 15 years as an installer and service tech. Mm -hmm. um, out of custom homes we didn't do spec homes row houses uh we didn't do a commercial i ended up down in the cities in monticello minnesota for a while and did the same thing mostly service and some install and i went to new Ulm and did service work down there and i wanted to move back up north to detroit lakes park rapids area and so I got a job at Modern Heating and Plumbing in Detroit Lakes, uh, worked for Rick Michelson for five years. Mm -hmm. And that was a really good experience. He was a, he was a great boss and a good mentor for me. Um, he didn't have an office with walls. You could just go up to him and talk to him. We had 16 trucks on the road when I worked there. Right. So it's a pretty good sized outfit for a mm -hmm. town of, uh, I suppose, maybe seven or 8,000. Oh, wow. In it. Yeah, it is. So, but there's tons of, uh, a lot of lakes. So there's a couple hundred thousand people in that zip code, um, a lot of seasonal lake, lake homes. Sure. Um, I got tired of working in crawl spaces and attics getting burned and electrocuted. Um, <laughs> and every technician knows what that's all about. It just, it happens, you know, as yeah. careful as you can be, it still happens. Uh, so I went into sales and I sold uh, equipment to contractors for a wholesaler, uh, Dakota Supply Group, worked there for about five, six years. And this company that I own right now is Town & Country Heating and Air Conditioning was one of my customers, sold okay. them equipment. And uh, like I said, the, the market that I'm in halfway between Fargo and Detroit Lakes have access to all the suppliers, five-day delivery and access to a couple hundred thousand people. Um, 
and a lot of a lot of lake homes and so it was in the right spot and the owner wanted to retire from hvac and and then just asked me one day hey you want to buy this place so wow. eight years ago i bought this business uh, me and my wife we co-own it i'm owner operator uh president and but the intention was i was going to hire people to go and do the work i would run the business um, grow the business so we're in the process of scaling this excuse me right now so um when i bought the business it was a husband and wife team she worked maybe 20 25 hours a week in the business and he did 40 hours he did all the um job site drawing estimating installing service he's had a few guys that has gone through through the door um, he had one part-time guy when I bought the business and his wife did all the bookkeeping. And since I bought it, um, we now have five full-time guys working here. I have one office administrator, one shop guy that are both part-time. I've uh, hired out the bookkeeping hundred percent mm-hmm. and I work here um, yeah, full-time. So it's, it's grown a bit and we have a vision to, to go and keep going and We'll see, see where we end up. Sure. Well, sounds fantastic. How was the, um, you know, not all the technicians who listen to this podcast are going to end up as owners, but right. um, I'm, I'm curious how it was for you. It sounds like you're in it right now. There's kind of a classic path an air conditioning company goes through where you get, you get to where um, it isn't sustainable without a back office. And mm-hmm. then and your margins are pretty good at that point. And then you have to start hiring people that are just expense, you know, and then your margins shrink a little bit. And then after you get through that, they can go back up again. And did you feel that uh, kind of process as you started hiring bookkeeping and, you know, warehouse and stuff like that um, in-house? Or did you kind of just kind of cruise through that and not really feel that? Um, So I had the advantage of, Everywhere I worked, I worked mostly with the owners, kind of inside look, always asking questions. Yeah. Uh, when I worked at Dakota Supply Group, one of their core focuses is helping the contractors become better businessmen. So I went through a lot of training and I was focused on helping the contractor win and succeed, um, not just sell them a thermostat. Anybody can sell a thermostat. You can get one from Amazon if you want to, but if you're going to add value, you need to help them with their business. Sure. And so I had that. I listened to... Um, I, I don't follow his stuff 100%, but I listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey and Entree Leadership before I bought the business too. So there's a lot of good, good stuff out there. Yeah. Um, one of the key things is, is we don't have to do this alone. There's tons of information out there. There's lots of experts you can listen to. I encourage everybody to find somebody um, that they can look up to, somebody that's ahead of them where they're at, where they want to be, and, yeah. and just start to follow them and emulate them and ask that person questions. Um, but I look at my employees and most of the stuff I do as an investment, not an expense. I'm looking for a return. Um, so in order to do that, we don't just pay them money, but we help them and we invest in them personally as well. Um, so as I hire guys, my profit margins has gone up because we're able to do more work. The yeah. more hours I can bill out and I'm looking from an owner perspective. And I know you're talking more primarily from a technician perspective, but for anybody who's interested in taking that, step um and this ownership isn't for everybody um you you may hear it 
as a technician from a customer, a complaint, maybe take it a little personally. It stings a little bit. Sometimes you don't care. You don't ever care if you go back to that house again, too. Right. <laughs> and, and there's customers like that. It's like, that's fine. Yeah. You can call somebody else. I don't care. Um, but as an owner, it stings a little bit differently. Sure. If somebody tells you you don't know how you're running your business, you have no idea what you're doing. You're, you're doing a bad job of running your business. And, um, and just take that and say, well, that's why it's my business, not yours. Right. If you don't like it, you can go start your own. Right. And, and we don't say that, but you no, know, it, it stings a little bit different when when those comments come. But I didn't, I didn't see a drop. Um, I see a drop when I don't hire the right people, mm-hmm. or if we don't invest in them properly. Yeah. Good onboarding. Well, uh, Jim, let, let me go back just a minute because I don't yeah. want to lose this before we get up to the what what you do with tech specifically. I heard you say two things that are very important because even though. Plenty of technicians will never enter into ownership. Every right. tech thinks about it, right? Yeah. Oh, and sure. so, yeah. and so, I heard you say two things that are important. And when I do these podcasts, I connect dots between podcasts. You mentioned Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. One of the dots that gets connected across these podcasts when I talk to someone in your position is they say, "Manage your debt before you dive in." If you yeah. can, I just did a podcast with someone in in uh, in the Midwest. And he said, before he, before I dove in, I had no debt and my house was paid off. Sure. I said, so, which is kind of an ideal. Not everybody can be in that good of a position, but, but the idea is um, if this is something you want to leap into as a technician, be conscious of what your monthly nut is Mm -hmm. just for your own household before you kind of dive in and just kind of just say, well, I'm just going to go get started. And, you know, that, Um, And then the other thing I heard you say is get close to the business side of air conditioning and just soak it all in for a while. You Mm -hmm. know, if there's nothing wrong with saying I'm going to do this, but it's going to be five years from now and I'm going to be, I'm going to find as many people as I can. I'm going to learn as much as I can about all manner of marketing, accounting. Um, What is it when we talk about margins, what does that mean? Uh, You know, some technicians are very close to the margin on a job. Some are not. They're just installing. Right. Um, you know, how do you every business has sort of three languages. There's the money part of the business. There are the ratios that make it work, meaning I need two guys doing three installs every five days or whatever, like something like that. And then processes. How do mm-hmm. we go to the door? How do we do an install? How do we how do we get parts and how do I cycle things through in a way that I'm consistently doing things the same over and over again? Right. And the one that most techs are furthest from is the money, financial statements, uh, profit and loss statements, you know, income statements. Uh, those things look like uh, the most intimidating part of the whole thing. That's yeah, when I talk sure. to techs, they talk about the accounting and the marketing. That's the part they feel most concerned about. And um, the easiest way, if you're a technician, you think about getting into it is just get around it, just get around mm-hmm. it for a while. And even yeah. if the owner of your company doesn't really want you to be close to that company's financials, there are right. other ways, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just go to the, go to your local supply house and just say, I want to learn more. There's almost certainly somebody local that, you know, cause there's a lot of good coaches out there who oh, can yeah. say, look, I, I'll, I'll help you get started you know, just take a look at this video. It's on YouTube, things like that. Yeah. So do you have anything else you'd want to add to that, Jim, for somebody like the preparation to jump in? Well, yeah, what you said about budget is critical. 
you have to know what you need um, your household to operate on. Um, yeah. You don't go into that blind. You need to know what your monthly operating expenses are for sure and then guarantee yourself that you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, what's your plan? Yeah. Because not everybody's going to make it. Um, yeah. So you have to have like a backup. It, it would be foolish to go into this, if, especially um, if you have a family, if you have a mortgage. Um, if you're a single guy living in an apartment or renting a house, sky's the limit. Do what yeah. you want. You yeah. know, go try some stuff. Um, a lot of businesses started from people who tried something and they tried a bunch of stuff. One yeah. thing stuck out of a hundred. And that's what you see them doing, but you didn't see all the other things they tried, but uh, you get to gain experience. Uh, I I tell people, I you know, uh, I get asked all the time, what school did you go to? I am going to the school of hard knocks. <laughs> Sometimes the tuition is really expensive. And, yeah. but these lessons you never forget. Right. Uh, so uh, the flip side of that too, um, if you wait till you're ready, you're never going to be, yep. you got to get started. You got to go. Yep. Um, but don't be foolish about it. You have to do some planning. Um, you know, if, if, if you think that, well, I'm going to need 200 customers in order to start, that might not be realistic. Yeah. You start with the 20 you got, you serve them very well. They tell their friends and neighbors, you build from there. Yep. Um, but definitely know what your monthly operating expenses are, <clears throat> what your bare minimum is going to be. Um, and you price your jobs accordingly. You know, you're, you talk some about lake houses, which ends up being, I'm assuming, a little bit more summertime stuff. Plus, you're in Minnesota, so you have more wintertime stuff. How does the seasonal, like when you got started, did you have to really, like, tough it out during the, do you, like, an off, what does an off-season look like for you? Or is it really just 12 oh. months for you? No. Um, I remember year two of operating the business, there was about two or three days where I had, I wonder what, what I'm going to have the guys do tomorrow. Mm. And um, That's it. You know, whether or not just clean the truck, sweep the floors, go back to a job and clean something up, you know, make something better. Uh, but it never did officially happen for us. Yeah. Uh, the, the work just kept coming. Um, a contractor would call and say, okay, we're ready. You know, and this is like, I've always had work lined up, but it's whether or not the contractor was ready for us to come in. Sure. You know, hey, this house is dried in. You can come start putting stuff in. <clears throat> um or we have paint on the walls. Now you can come to the registers and, and set the furnace. Uh, the landscaping done. You come put the air conditioner. And that stuff, those calls came in that time where I was like, uh, I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. But I never <laughs> told the guys. Right? And, and, but ever since then, it's just been uphill constantly sure. since then. Um, right now, the only thing that we're experiencing is a slow service season. Uh, and I, you said this already to technicians to use your suppliers as resources. I asked my salesmen that come in here, I was like, so how busy are all the other service departments around that people that you call on? And they're like, well, they're dead. Their phone hasn't rang in a month. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I evaluate, like, I'm not off track. I'm experiencing the same thing. Everybody else says I'm not out of the ordinary. Um, everything's right. fine. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 know what, you, know what you need to have, but no, yeah, we've, we've just been busy and work keeps coming. I keep developing relationships with that. Um, you said that there was, there was three things, parts of a business. There's, there's one that ties all of them together and that's the people. Yeah. You, you have to take care of the people and that's not just 
your employees, your customers, your vendors, and um, the builders that like what we work with is the builders that bring us the biggest business. Sure. So working on developing relationships with um, the owners of those construction companies, figure out who they are, how they like to operate and what they expect and what they're looking for. Well, and this is, this is a good uh, transition topic here because as, if you're a technician, you're considering getting into business. Um, it's easy to realize I know what I know. I know how to do what I do. But the question in, also is, who is really my customer? I mean, a business, an air conditioning business where your primary customer is a contractor is different from where your primary customer is a homeowner. Yeah, and, for sure. you know, those are two different businesses. And so either one can be great. Either one can be profitable, but they're not the same business. And right. sometimes it's hard to do both under the same roof because right. uh, they're completely wired differently. Yeah. Yep. So you have to evaluate um, what you want your business model to look like. Yeah. Um, think about what you want your life to look like too. Yeah. How many phone calls do you want to have in a day? That's right. You know, do you want to side with these people or those people? Uh, either one can be a good fit, but it's it's up to you personally, individually. Um, you know, we have been through the process of. Uh, I don't know if any if you're familiar with uh, EOS or traction. Yes. Yep. So we're currently in the process of implementing that. We had our first L10 meeting a uh, week and a half ago. Oh, very good. Very good. So, uh, vision traction organizers, fairly well established. And like you said, I'm meeting with a coach next yeah. week. It's going to help us finalize that and laser focused on that. But we have already talked about who we want to work for. We know who our target market is. And when people who don't fit that, it's really easy for me to say no. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's, I think they're the better fit for you. You should call these guys over here. I always have backup. I never just leave anybody hanging. Yep. I always try to offer some sort of solution or some sort of value to the person, but I, I don't feel obligated to say no. Before I had my target market established, I thought I had to do all the work for everybody. Yep. And that was killing me. Um, which, um, like I said, you, you don't have to work for everybody. You're not going to please everybody and be okay with that. Yeah. Just plain simple fact. Yeah. I, I think one of the simplest ways to understand business is just solving a problem in exchange for money. Mm -hmm. uh, my, when, I, when, I, when I do this talk with my clients, I'll say, look, if, if I have $10 and I'm hungry and you have a cheeseburger, business is probably going to happen. So, mm -hmm. you know, right. so it's, it's understanding, you know, a contractor's, if a contractor is your customer, then, what are the problems that they have that you're solving, right? Versus a homeowner who, who feels the problem much differently. I mean, a contractor is oh, yeah. going to feel schedule. They're going to feel, you know, are you giving me a guaranteed margin things like that? A homeowner is saying, I got a hot house and I got family coming over tonight. Can right. you, you know, so they just come, they come very differently. And, oh, it, yeah. and, and then I'll throw a third one in there that I always tell guys, I get a, I get a question a lot about low temperature work. And I always say, man, if you love it, do what you love. But let me tell you something. If you do low temp work, every call is an emergency. Every yeah, call. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And but not true in residential generally. Right. But it's so just decide what you love. And if that's what you love, it's OK. But mm -hmm. think through the life you want to live and not just where do I get the most money quickly? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not happy doing it, I, I did work for a company that had refrigeration and HVAC in the same yeah. And I ended up on a few refrigeration calls and 
the stress level on that is enormous um, because most people don't realize this. I, my eyes weren't open to it until I got into refrigeration, but it can be the dead of winter, 15 blowout, and you still have thousands of dollars worth of product at stake at that cooler and that freezer is not working. And guess where the condenser is? You have to go outside and fix that. It's 15 blowout. And then when you go inside, right. you have to replace an evaporator fan or unplug a condensate. Yep. Coveralls on, even when it's 90 degrees out. I always thought it was weird. Like, why do you guys keep coveralls in the in the van that's 90 degrees out? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I had to put my coveralls on. I had to wear them when it was sure. you know, 90 degrees sure. out in the uh, school cafeteria, uh, lunch room, the kitchen, the, the walk in freezer. One of the evaporator fans was out, and I just thought this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> what I want to do. Sure. <laughs> I got well, out. And, and I'll tell you on the family side of it too. That moment when you finally you get excited because you finally get to go to your daughter's soccer game. Mm -hmm. And just as they get started, the phone rings. Guess what? You got to go. And if that's if it's the work again, if it's at the end of the day, it's it's part of the lifestyle. And if that's part of it that you love, do it. Mm -hmm. But um, I've talked to a number of techs who kind of got started because I knew someone with like a few gas stations or something like that. And it was sort of. A, light, a nice dollar figure, an agreement, basically a maintenance agreement to get started and it had some cash flow to it, but then they hated their life because it was, you know, somebody else was in charge of it and or yeah. something, something out of control was in charge. That's the perception of it, you know? And yeah. so just, just know that if that's, you know, if you're a tech thinking about getting into owning your own business, there's a lot of variations of this stuff. And oh, yeah. You know, you just have to think it through and decide what you really love and then go ahead and embrace it. Yeah, there's a ton of different things that you can do HVAC related. It doesn't even have to be being a tech and you could be um, answering the phone at a supply house, either taking orders, doing inside sales because you're familiar with the product. You know how to build a system. You need to give the contractor the things they need or um, just being a, a, a phone technician. You know, yeah. working for a call center in a, uh, which is an up and coming business for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And, uh, and the last thing I'll say about this um, is none of those is the right one. The only wrong one is all of them. Yeah. Like you, you have to make a choice. You can't do you work for a contractor doing installs and do classic residential home service and do low temp and do commercial and 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 you know let's throw some sheet metal in there let's throw some generators in there if you try to do and and it's a real temptation when guys are getting started because they need money they need to make money so it's a real Mm -hmm. temptation to like show up and tell the homeowner you you need me to walk your dog like what 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 all you need from me today you need me to wash your car you know and but it's a mistake if you get into business uh for yourself to kind of make your scope anything because mm-hmm. it makes you um, the, the more narrow your scope can be, the more you come off as an expert to those people yeah. that you're solving their problems. Yeah. And uh, even in my consulting business, when a few years ago, I did, when people said, what do you do? I just said, I was a, where does it hurt? How can I help consultant? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, I don't know, several years ago, uh, I changed all that. And I said, Now, this is very narrow. I actually do more than this, but I said, I help mechanical contractors exit or retire without drama and risk. And it made it very clear if 100 people heard that, 
99 of them said, oh, I, I don't need him. Right. right? Yep. But yep. the one was like, I really need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. you know? yeah. So the same idea, if you're a technician, you're getting started. You want to be able to articulate to whoever your customer is. And that's you pick them. Right. This is the problem you have. And I solve this problem. You have it. I'm the guy you call and you will be able to kick off a business that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. I, I preached to a lot of contractors when I was selling product. Um, find one thing that you really like to do, get really good at it, become the master at it, make a lot of money doing that one thing. Yep. That's all you have to do. Um, you don't have to do all the things. You know, you, you can do fireplaces, air exchangers. You want to be an indoor air quality expert. That's who we are. We are indoor air experts. Um, that encompasses a whole bunch of stuff, but yep. um, that's who we want to be branded as, is yep. indoor air experts. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't have to do everything and your profit margins drop when you try to do everything because you're doing That's a whole right. bunch of stuff. You really probably shouldn't be doing because you're not an expert in it and you are wasting a lot of time. You're wasting the customer's time and just, just bow out and go do the thing that you're good at. That's right. Well, and let me jump ahead. You said earlier, I, I want to follow up on this statement, mm-hmm. um, that it doesn't go well for you when you hire the wrong people or you don't invest in them. And what did right. you mean by that? Um, so case in point, the last guy that I just had to fire and when we did this, ironically, right after we, um, established the core values of the company and mm-hmm. we said, this is who we are. And this is, this is who every person in this business is in this company is. And these are the people we want to work for. And these are the people we want working with us, same core values. So, um, I had a guy that applied here and 25 years HVAC experience. Uh, him and I even had a couple of mutual friends on Facebook and um, a couple of people that I went to church with. And I have salesmen that have called on me that know him personally and said, oh boy, he applied. You should really try and get him. He's, he's really good at what he does. I talked to his former employers, um, really good. I liked him as a person. We got along well. Um, the thought that there was a couple of things that were a little bit different about him. And um, when I found out where he worked, the two companies that he spent most of his HVAC career at, I was like, I've seen the work that those companies do, and that's not the same quality that Town and Country does, but I did not attribute it to him and his work. Yeah. Um, so he stayed here for. Uh, too long, <laughs> almost. <laughs> a year. And um, things kept coming up, and I kept discounting it as it it was him. Mm. But to take a couple of weeks to rough in a new house, when most of the guys I have here, and even myself included, I can rough in a five thousand square foot house in three days, mm-hmm. um, cut the boots and hang the trunk and punch all the holes in the side of the house, bring the bath fans in, and I mean all that. We had a system. We worked well together grab the template, start marking. So anyway, um, if I asked him if it was done, no, not yet. No, we had to do this. We had to do that. Oh, okay. Um, but he, he was not owning his mistakes. He was not being held accountable. He would change the subject if you're talking about something. And those were things I was just like, mm-hmm, I'm not sure. Um, after we had one job, it was a furnace change out and he spilled uh, purple primer in the house, but luckily it was in our tote with our PVC fittings, but he left it in the house. It stunk up the whole house. Oh, wow. I brought over an air purifier, 
And when I was there, and like like you said, I've hired guys to go out and do the work. A lot of the furnaces that my guys put in, I don't even see the house. Never been there. So this is my first time in there. And I'm looking at what's been done, what needs to be done. I located the uh, two conductor goes outside of the air conditioning unit. It's right here is your wire. This wire is one that needs to be brought down to the furnace and connected to YNC and the board. These are the ones right here, this wire. You see this wire right here? Yeah, I see it. This is the one that, you know, I mean, I was, spent minutes to just making sure that he got it because there were so many things that like when we would tell him specifically how to do something, he wouldn't do it that way. Oh, I thought you meant this. That's, no. Um, that's that same job. He, he put a drip leg outside coming off of the natural gas meter. Well, drip leg goes on the appliance, not at the meter. That's all the dirt that's coming through the line is still going to get to still going to be in there. Hmm. Um, and you're doing that with mega press gas fittings. So they're really expensive. And um, extra fittings for that. He brought the black iron into the house and we use ward flux. I put an outdoor termination on the side of the house. I'll bring black iron to that point. He brought the black iron in a couple of feet before transitioning to ward flux. So then you just silicone the hole. Um, nothing critically wrong with that, except that that's not the way we do it. Not the town and country way. And he was specifically advised, this is the way you're going to do it. Because we start seeing all these things. We're like, all right, we really need, now we know who we're working with. We need to be very specific and detailed in our instructions with them. Right. Next day I say, hey, so are you guys done? Yeah, it's all done. Everything, it's all running? Yep. Did you get that wire hooked up? Oh, no. Oh, so it's not done. Mm. Yeah, no, it's not done. Okay. Did you bring the air purifier back? They said they did, but they didn't. It was still there. He said he did. It was still there. Yeah. Um, so here's what I want you to do before you go to the other job. You need to call this homeowner. You need to tell them, I need to come back and finish up a couple of things. Can I get in and go do it? He never called the guy. He was right in town. He tried putting the blame on me. So all kinds of things. And yeah. um, besides that, if you give him a mini split install or a fireplace install, most installers are going to go, hey, all right early day today, you know, because they yeah. just don't take that long. Two and a half days to do a mini split, and we still had to undo most of the stuff he did. Wrecked yeah. all of our line sets. He never pinched or sealed off the ends of any of our line sets after cutting them. And I threw away thousands of dollars with the line sets. Um, he was just a hack, and he lied his way through all his experience that he had, and, never, and he would never be held accountable for it. Hmm. So I had a meeting with him and told him that um, – the behavior that we have here does not match our core values. He agreed with that. Um, I said, and, and besides the fact that you're, you are not working and aligning with our core values, you're violating them a hundred percent right in my face in the face of every other employee right here. We're all catching on to that. Um, that behavior is not tolerated there. So I never attacked him. I, I attacked his behavior. Sure. I never attacked him personally. And I've had to do this a couple of times. And he, um, in that process, he did not get defensive. He had nothing to say. I was talking yeah. about his behavior. We were talking about his behavior. Um, but I also said, you know, besides that, it takes too long to get the jobs done. And if I was going to bid them all to account for the way you work, I wouldn't get any more work. So I can't keep you here any longer. So he wanted to work till Friday. And um, this was on a Tuesday morning. I brought him to my office. He said, can I work till Friday? I said, yeah, you can work till Friday. That, that would be fine. Clean a few things up. Wednesday morning, I came in, all his stuff was here, and he was gone. He did not report for work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I tried to claim unemployment when he, in fact, quit 
Mm -hmm. So, and I'm giving all this information for technicians that are listening. Yeah, that's that what I was going to say. Let's circle this. back. Yeah, go ahead. You know, um, you can't quit a job and get unemployment. If you lose a job because of lack of work, you can get unemployment. Um, if you get fired for unsatisfactory work or violating core values, uh, I, that I'm unsure of. But you can't quit and get unemployment. And he quit and he said that he had an argument when um, we sat right here and had a conversation just like you and I are having where we talked about his behavior. Um, so let me, let, let me do this, Jim. So let's mm -hmm. go back. You kind of told the story of this person who didn't work out. So let's take that story and, you know, uh, where, again, for the technicians who are going to listen to this, where, where did he go wrong? And where, if, if a technician finds themselves listening to that story and saying, well, I don't want to be that guy. So where, where did he, where should he have done something differently? I heard, for example, I heard, mm -hmm. um, we told him how our way is, but he didn't want to do it the town and country way. Right. Like, talk. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, uh, well, so in our perspective, when we're telling him how we want something done, it's very clear in our mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't so clear in his mind. What he should have done is, I don't really understand what you mean. Yes. Is Or is this what you mean? Is this what you're saying? You want it to be like this? But he yeah. never did that. Yeah. Communicating is so critical. Yes. Um, and there was something that, that you can stop me if I get ahead of myself too, but there was something I wanted to make sure that the technicians um, well, let me, let me, let me, let me resummarize what you just said. Then yeah. let's go to that, that the issue of clarity is not only the responsibility of whoever has authority. It's the responsibility right. of everybody. So if the technician, you as a technician in my research, technicians tend much more toward an introverted communication style, which mm -hmm. is they stay more quiet and they don't speak until their entire thought is formed. And yeah. it, it creates uh, the opportunity for misunderstanding. And it's, it's a little more effort for a technician to say, I don't think I understand what you're saying. Right. I need you to repeat that. I I'm not clear. Right. Yeah. But from the technician, uh, from the coaching side of it for the tech, you need to say that if you're not. Yeah. And because they're trying to be clear, but an extrovert starts talking to decide what they think about something. So they'll say six things and they feel like they're being really clear. But yeah. you could be very confused as to what which of the six is the one. Right? right. So from a technician's perspective, own clarity, uh, yeah. like as specifically as you need to. Yeah, right? You have to be in order to be professional and be complete. Um, That's right. I think what gets in the way for a technician, even like myself, uh, there, there's an element of pride in there. Sure. Because look at these things I can do. And you couldn't, you wouldn't have heat if you wouldn't have called me. I came and saved the day. We're not saying that stuff out loud, but there's there's an internal subconscious thoughts yeah. back there about how good we are at our job and to feel like people need us, and which in fact they do. But that would get us to be like very sure about what we're going to say and um, make a lot of assumptions too. Yeah. But you, you have to be clear. In, in, yeah. what, yeah, in fact, in, I'm, I'm going to yeah. do an entire podcast on this coming up here just about how on a professional level, what does that really even mean for a technician? Right. How do you get to clarity? How do you own clarity? This is, I would say, is the first professional skill is uh, establishing clarity because mm -hmm. there's no performance without measurement. So right. if we don't all agree, we're going to run a mile in eight minutes. 
then there's no possible way for me to run and perform and be a professional and deliver. Right. We have to, uh, we have to know, we have to agree on what constitutes a win on this job. Mm-hmm. Otherwise right. we're just kind of flailing around and it may be done. We may luck into it being done properly one time, but sooner or later it's going to come out of sync. Yeah. So it's really important for, for technicians and, and for um, the guy that I let go um, asking questions and making sure that you understand everything properly. Um, yeah. One of the things I do, I still take phone calls when customers call before dispatch a service tech to go there. Um, I'm looking for as much information as possible. Yep. Before we go, the more information, the better. Do I have all the information I need? Yeah. Uh, and then, so then there's real simple questions. It's like, or when was the last time you checked how much propane you have? That's right. Is your air filter clean? Those those two things are really big around here, and um, and for anybody trying to heat in the northern half of the states, um, well, I just just got it filled. Could you go and check it? Yeah. Then, oh yeah, it was empty. I called the propane company. Thanks a lot. We go through. We can't do it. Um, do you have any other sources of heat? Is this the only source of heat you have? Do I need to come right now? Like that's that's another very valid question. Are you yeah. expecting someone to come right now? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of technicians, we want to hurry up, save the day. I got to get there. I got to get to all these calls. I got eight calls. I got to get all of them. I got to fix them all. And some are like, oh, you're here already? I wasn't expecting anybody until tomorrow. I told them that we got the fireplace. We have floor heat. We've got this heat pump. And it, oh, okay. And you, you push somebody else off who was more critical because you didn't have all the information you needed. Yeah. Huge question is, do you need somebody there today? Yep. You know, no, um, we're remodeling the house. So nobody's going to be there for three days. You know, yeah. so just, you know, the keys under the mat, come fix it whenever you can. Yeah. Okay. You know, yep. and so it's really easy for technicians because we are so proud about what we do and how we save the day is that everything is urgent. Yeah. Not everything is urgent. And, and is this where is this what you wanted to comment on that yeah said, there's something yeah. Like, oh, please go ahead yeah and keep getting all the information you need um yeah. don't feel bad if you can't fix it right away because you don't have the part it is what it is uh-huh. um you know special furnace we don't carry that board the supplier is going to have to get it is there something we can do and if, if you forgot to ask all the questions at homeowner and a lot of the places I work, they have multiple sources of heat. Um, but no, that's fine. We just turn the floor heat up. We'll be fine. Um, we're going to stay at our friend's house. And they're, don't be, don't be afraid to tell the homeowner the truth. Yep. Um, you know, I, I can't get this. Um, and, and to some degree, even as again, if we're, if we're talking about classic home service, especially, mm-hmm. You know, just being able to say, um, listen, I, is it okay if I'm there at eight o'clock tomorrow morning? Yep. You know, and even if that means I could go, it's just four in the afternoon. I could go right now, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to see my family if I do. So I'm going to stabilize my life. I'm going to go see my wife and my kids and I'm going to show up there tomorrow at eight Mm o'clock. And, and as opposed to, and I know there are different business models and I know there are some models that are like, our best guys don't go home till the board's clear. And, but I'm not a big fan of that model. I don't think it, right. it puts techs in a position to live great lives. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and I appreciate what you're saying there. Like, let's assess. Now, someone may say, look, my house is cold and I have 12 people coming in one hour. Please. Can you come right now? Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then that's, that's what we're talking about. But if they're, you know, no, tomorrow morning is good. Then go ahead and work with that. Yep. Yeah, I asked that, you know, do you need somebody out there right away? I've had the air conditioning calls at 6.30 p.m. And it's like, you know, the sun's going to go down and open a window. But um, the lady said, well, my mom has cancer and she's on oxygen. She's 93 years old. She really can't handle the heat. Okay, I have somebody there in 10 minutes, you know. So there's that thing, there's that calling that we provide a service to people um, to keep them comfortable. Our goal is to make people comfortable in their own homes. Right. So it's, it's whether you're too warm, we're going to cool it down for you. You know, and, 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 and kudos to you, Jim, for for syncing up between you and your techs on this, because mm-hmm. there's plenty of technicians that when I talk to them privately, they feel like the either a service manager or even a dispatcher or the owner of the company is like they feel so urgent about every call yeah. that they don't have the freedom to do that. They right. just go, go, go. And, I try and protect my technicians in that, you know, even when they're on call and they say, Hey, if you're out to dinner with your family, well, what's the difference between you being out to dinner with your family? Somebody calls you at six o'clock and you don't get to that person's house till eight 30 versus you being on a service call at 10 o'clock in the morning. You don't get out of that house until 1230 because you had a bunch of things to do to rebuild the boiler. Yeah. There's zero difference there yep. other than the time of the day. So don't feel like, well, I, I can't even go out to dinner because I have to go and do this. And I feel like if I'm keeping track of my technicians and how they're feeling, collecting feedback from them, if I can feel them getting stressed and, um, or if they're just taking time off, I allow them to, who's going to take call? I don't know. I I have other friends that own HVAC companies. I have hired them. I even had a guy that worked for me that left and started his own company and a customer whose house he was at three years ago called and my guy was just in that town and he had already come back and it was snowing and I, I knew he was going to be stressed if I sent him right back if it would have been just down the street from where he was already at. Yeah. I called the guy that used to work for me. Hey, can you go and take care of this one for me? Yeah. Yeah, sure. No problem. It was cheaper to pay him than it was to pay my guy. Cause he was <laughs> like, I, didn't, I don't have to charge that much, but sure. there's options. There's other people out there. Get to know the technicians around you who you can lean yeah. on at times of need. Sometimes you're going to need a bailout. Yeah. You're going to be stuck on something and maybe the company you're working for doesn't have all these techs available, but you know somebody works for a different company, ask them. Yeah. And, and, well, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what, for the techs who are listening to this, um, if you're, uh, sometimes I wonder if I'm going to get myself in trouble saying things like this, but <laughs> if the guy who owns the company you work for doesn't talk like Jim is talking right now, you don't have to work there. Right. Like, the, the reality right now is that there's many more jobs than there are qualified technicians, many more. Yep. And most techs, if you got enough experience to at least kind of know what you're doing on a job site, even kind of, you can probably get another job in about 15 minutes. And there's a, there's an equalizing happening right now in the industry and the people who are committed to treating techs well, not bow down and scrape, but be fair fair wages, not, you know, I'm going to take home a million bucks. You get a ham at Christmas, all that stuff. Those, those guys are not going to be in business in seven or eight years because 
the new competition is not for business. It's for tax. It just is. And because every single owner I talk to says I could be double what I do now if I just had all the people I I needed. Mm -hmm. And and so for the technician perspective, don't abuse it. Right. Don't don't overkill it. But just realize if your wife is frustrated because you can't ever tell her whether you're going to be home for dinner and your kids are frustrated because you can't ever promise you're going to show up for a birthday party, then you need to be in control of your life and own that. Don't don't be a victim. Just say, look, I don't I don't want to live this way. I don't have to live this way. I can go work for somebody like Jim instead. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're in that spot, talk to your boss, tell them what you're feeling, be honest with them yeah. and tell them what's going on, because they probably if they're a boss that cares, they don't want to lose you yeah. and they'll adapt. They'll make a change. It'll be a good change for the rest of the company. I have a work for the guys that believe that they have to answer the phone every single time it rings. We've got to get that call. We're going to take every single job that we get and that distress level in those places is yes. enormous. It's not worth it. Yeah. You can make the same amount of more money or more in a place with somebody who cares about you and the company and the, and the people. And I've seen a, a shift, I believe anyway, just in companies around here in my own area um, as maybe a buzzword that's been getting burned out, but culture but sure. culture is huge and it, yep. more it companies are paying a little more attention to it. The good ones are. And well, and that's, there's, there's two ways companies are competing for talent right now. One is with culture. The other is with wages. And what I'm observing is the companies that go for competing for talent just with wages is they create a workforce. that can't make more money anywhere else in town. And now they have a workforce that it costs them too much to leave the company and they have a motivation problem. And techs sometimes don't like to hear me say this because they're like, I want to make as much money as I can. And I just listen. My name's John. I'm your friend. It is not all about the money. Right. Your, but your life will equalize to different income levels as long as there's enough. And yep. then after that, you have to be able to live and not just just desperately with, you know, fight or flight, adrenaline pumping racing to the next call getting pushy with the dispatcher because you there's another call waiting and you're not done yet all that stuff is not necessary so well listen jim i appreciate you coming on the podcast we're just about out of time but uh um you're you want to direct anybody like to your website or or how can if uh, other owners want to reach out to you or text who want to call you how do they find you yep uh townandcountryheating.com there is a button on our website it says get started. You can put all your info in there. Uh, that's the easiest way if you're going to remember it. Um, Facebook.com uh, slash indoor air experts, Facebook website. And okay. uh, my email address is jim at tchtg.com. That's Town and Country Heating abbreviated. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, thanks so much, Jim, for taking some time to be on the podcast. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. um, Everybody, we'll see you at the next one. Have a good day. Thanks, John. A good life is had at the HVAC Joy Line.